Welcome to the Vintage Horror Podcast, where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me today I have Rob. How's it going? Brady. Hello. And Mark. Hello, hello, hello. Today we will be tackling Pumpkinhead from 1988. Is first, born? we're going to crack cold one open with the boys. I'm going to go first here. I have a question for Brady. Uh-oh. So Brady is um, an ex-Starbucks employee, but I feel like last week on Snapchat, I got two snaps in two days in a row. Are you drinking Starbucks or at a Starbucks? <gasps> What's up with that? Was it, uh, was it the one outside of Foxborough? I don't know, was but I, I don't know. We know. It, do- it doesn't matter where <laughs> it is, but you're still supporting them even though you hate them. That's what I'm talking about. Well, it wasn't my money. It doesn't matter. You were there. Oh. You drank it. People saw you and influenced by you drinking it. Do you understand? Okay. Hold on, Mark. <laughs> so I was drinking Starbucks the other day and Paige said it was okay because she still has stock in Starbucks. So I'm just oh. paying her technically. So oh, she's like, okay. yeah, keep buying it. Yeah. I just didn't want to do any like insider trading kind of stuff. You know, yeah, I gotcha. didn't want the stock. To okay. Go. I just wonder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just Brady, had, uh, okay, Brady like, Stewart. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> so I was look, making- I had a cold and the only remedy for a cold is the medicine ball from starbucks okay i don't know what that it's all, is it's like all in my head it's just like a tea with honey and no. le- steamed lemonade you couldn't get one from trader joe support your your place no wow i couldn't all right i, couldn't. I, I see what you're doing here you're trying to weasel your way back into starbucks <laughs> into, <laughs> the, into the good graces say listen i drink starbucks every day and i spend nine dollars on coffee every day please take me back please i didn't mean to shit and not flush okay <laughs> Yeah, but no, I'm just, never going back. Since we recorded last, I don't remember what I've done. What have we done? Anything? I can't tell you. You got to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> no, but um, I uh, what I'm actually really excited about the other day they released the trailer for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Mm. It's made by the same company that made uh, Friday Thirteenth. So it's basically just going to be like the Friday the Thirteenth with. I'm assuming so because they they're having Kane Hodder play Leatherface. They're, yeah, they having him do the good. stunts and stuff like that, and I saw like Scout Taylor Compton's in it as one of the. I don't know if she. I guess she's one of the. Oh, she, she was like a Laurie Strode, right? She was the yeah. the best Laurie Strode. Yeah, ever. She's the best Laurie yeah. Strode ever. To anyone, but I think the other day, uh, I don't know. We saw Mike uh, went to Olive Garden, like we said that in our last podcast. Um, what else did I do? Anything else important? No, I'm on call at work, so I can't really do anything. Just sit around and. Just, Hope the phone doesn't ring. And so far, we've been good <laughs> all week. But yeah, nothing too much going on with me. What about you, Kyle? Uh, since we last recorded, I got all dressed up, got spiffy, went to the mayor's ball with Sam uh, in the town that she lives in and works for. And um, that was kind of 
cool, I guess, rubbing elbows with a bunch of old white yuppie people. Old no, white people? I, I'm going to tell you something. There was no uh, people of any other ethnicities there. Huh. Is that wow. politically correct? Can somebody fact check me on that? Uh, it's problematic. Yeah, it, was, it was all just like white old people. And they played all old white people music. Love it. Like, what is old white people music? Like Billy Joel? Uh, yeah, some of that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Some um, Johnny Cash. Uh, oh, oh, we're going like way back. Yeah, I mean, uh, Beach Buddy Boys, Holly. like anything. Yeah, Buddy Holly. You know, anything white and old, they played. And people fucking loved it there. Uh, I went through a Beach Boys phase like when I was 17. Is that mm-hmm. when you were first allowed to listen to music? <laughs> yeah, that, that was like... That was when my parents were like, we're going to let you break loose a little bit. And you will have to listen to church hymns. You can have some Beach Boys. And you listen to the one that Charles Manson wrote for them? So what the fuck? Oh, my God. Coke. That's all. That's all yeah. the song he listened to. That is true. Charles Manson did write for them. Or they probably just stole it from him. I don't know. But so like, yeah, he's in jail. What's he going to do? Well, he used to party with them. So, um, I, you know, I've just been working a lot. We got the Christmas party at work coming up this Wednesday. Don't really want to go. It's at a bowling alley, but if I say anything, I probably get yelled at. So, is it during work hours or after work? Yeah, it's between like arrivals between twelve and one. There, they're still going to have us work in the morning and then go, and it's like oh, it's over an hour annoying. away. <laughs> I don't even know if I could drive my own car. Like, I don't even know. I'm being paid to be there, though, so I don't know. Are they going to pay for like your cheese fries? Like, if you were to get cheese fries, uh, so they're paying for all the food, and I guess if you want a bowl, or I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're just gonna go to a bowling alley and not bowl. Maybe you could yeah, drink, I'm just here I, for the food. I hate maybe, bowling. Maybe we could drink some beers there. My mom used to uh, some crack uh, cold one with the beers there. Yeah. My mom. My mom used to be on a bowling league when I was younger, and she would take me like all the time. It was Wednesdays, and I fucking hated it. I feel like I have to. That. I don't know why Rob's 18 fucking years away. He pulls the fucking <laughs> mic away from his face because he has to fucking eat while we're recording. I don't understand. I, I feel like I knew your mom can. was a bowler. She used to be. Um, and yeah, besides that, I mean, I was, uh, I, I would say the best guest on Hail to the King. I don't know about that. Which is Brady's new podcast where they go over Stephen King novels. Yeah, you were okay. Well, I'm saying, yeah, right. uh, you know, you had no other guests. I have to be the best by default, so... Yeah, you know, you're the sure. worst by default too. That means, and everyone yeah. said I elevated the podcast. I brought some fucking professionalism there. Who is it out already or something? No, no, not yet. So who's everyone that said it? You, uh, uh, Paige. <laughs> that's about yeah. it. <laughs> so isn't there another good, person on the that's podcast? Good enough too? for me. Who? There's three people on the podcast, isn't there? No, well, yeah. four of that. I've one. got some notes for you that we can go over. Okay, later. sure, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, so yeah, Brady, just circle back, Brady. Since you want to be a funny guy this morning, why don't you tell me what you've been up to? Crack one. It's funny, Brad. Uh, nothing. Work. Uh, yep. We released the first episode of Hail to the King, which is Stephen King podcast. We did Carrie, so that was fun. Curie. And Carrie uh, with Sissy Spacek. Um, yeah, and then we. Just this week, recorded Salem's Lot with Kyle, and that was really fun. We talked about – we tried not to talk about the, like, adaptations too much, but – That's all Brady know. could talk about. He said, I got a tattoo. You guys want to see it? Yeah. I said, this That's is, the whole episode. So this is an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have our cameras on, Brady. <laughs> um, 
And then other than that, getting ready to head back to Virginia for Christmas. Got to see the family. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to come see us? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to be at this location between these days, so you can come see us. That's what I say now. And then I get down there, I'm going to freak out and be like, oh, my God, we have to see this person today. We have to see this person tomorrow. Respect. And, uh, yeah, no more dead bodies in the apartments. Um we switched the cats to wet food, and they're like on a hunger strike. So, don't cats usually like wet food? I guess they just don't like this wet food. That smells disgusting. Yeah, so we like we had to change the fat cat's food because he's just getting too fat. He's almost like twenty pounds, and then we started feeding him wet food, and then the little cat was getting freaked out and like spazzing out and eating all his food before he could even get over there. So. We put them both on wet food, but Paige was like, yeah, I don't want to pay all this fucking money for like premium wet cat foods. So we're just going to get Target brand. And they just like sniff it and don't eat it and just stare at it. So we're on day two of the hunger strike. We'll see what happens. Fuck those you're going to wake up and they're going to be chewing on your toes. So better watch out. Right. Um, been watching Dexter New Blood. I don't know if you guys are into that. I just watched or... the latest episode last night. Never seen yeah, a me too. Episode. Good. Really, really good. I'm liking what they're doing. And uh yeah, that's about it for me. What about you, Rob? Um, not a whole lot. I did watch well, I watched one special in full and now I'm like working on the second one, but I I've been meaning to watch on Netflix, um, because I love true crime. Like it's one of the things that I really enjoy. So I watched uh Don't Fuck with Cats on Netflix. Mm, I feel like that was is. like last year, right? It, it was. I I, it was like I, two years ago. It might have been. I just never got a chance. Like obviously I knew who Luca Magnata is unfortunately like that little p boy has way too much like hype behind him. Um, but I guess like I never knew all the details surrounding it and how, like, while police were like lagging behind this guy, a bunch of like internet Facebook activists had been like tracking him for years and compiling data on him and like figuring out like they knew he was going to eventually like escalate to murder. And have been trying to, like, warn officials for years, like, this guy will kill somebody. He's going to kill somebody. And then he does it on, like, a, a video and uploads it. And then they're trying to contact the police department, like, we have a ton of evidence to hand over to you. We know where he is. Listen to us. And the police department was like, nah, nah, we'll get him. It'll be all right. Uh, what country was that in? So he was in Canada when he was killing the cats and then eventually mm-hmm. killed the, uh, Europe, right? Yeah. And then he flew to Paris and, um, eventually the way he was caught, like he couldn't resist like looking up information about himself and seeing the publicity. He actually got out of France and honestly, he probably would have got away. Um, but he went to an internet cafe and in Germany to just, go on the internet and look at stories about himself. And the guy who runs the internet cafe said he was like watching the news and saw his face on the news. Cause obviously like it's a big blown story now. And then like, he looks up at the counter and the guy's standing right there in front of him. He's like, uh, can I please have a computer? And so apparently he said he followed him back to the computer and he's like staring at him from across the room. And he sees the guy literally Googling his mugshot on the Interpol website. <laughs> and so like, he's like, okay. So he ran outside and just, happenstance a brigade of military a brigade of like police trainees 
was out on like a march or like out on a transport and he like waved them down. So you see like a video of the internet cafe of like 40 military police guys just like walking in. Like you'd think like that was for him like a SWAT team, but it was really just a bunch of trainees who were like, yeah, let's go see what's up with this. And he, that's, he ended up getting arrested and it was a, uh, there's a whole like subplot where he, he, he tried to blame the manipulations on this guy named Manny who was like abusing him. But what the documentary does is kind of blows a big hole in that, that basically shows he was trying to recreate the movie Casablanca. What? Uh, not Casablanca. Uh, not Casablanca. It's uh, another one. What's the other one? Um, it's like a 90s show. I forget oh, the movie. Casablanca 2. No, nah, no. Nah, it's from the. <laughs> it has Michelle Pfeiffer. Is it Basic Instinct? It probably. I don't know. It was Basic Instinct. That's Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Yeah, it was basically ain't instinct. no Sharon Stone. It was ba- yeah, it was Basic Instinct. So that's what he was trying to recreate. And uh, do they kill whatever. cats in that movie or something? No, but if you like watch like the breadcrumbs he was leaving, like and the way Are he you talking filmed, about Fatal Attraction. Could it be that the one with Glenn Cl- Glenn Close and Michael Douglas when she leaves like the cat in the yard? Is that the one you're talking about? Like she kills the cat or the bunny or whatever it is. Maybe it is Fatal Attraction. It was one of those movies from the '90s. I can't remember which one, but whatever. Like he was, was just it Fatal Instinct. It was, I think it was instinctive attraction. Instinctive attraction. Yeah. Uh, Laws of attraction. But yeah, I can't, at the end of the day, I thought it was a good documentary, but like, you know, since Luca Magnata, there's been tons of people who have repeat what he kind of did and just, you know, like uploading on sites like Best Gore and Live League and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that was one. The other one I'm looking at right now is uh, Memories of a Murderer, the Nielsen tapes. I don't know if you guys ever mm, checked that yeah. one out. Um, it's uh, a guy who murdered a lot of people in England back in the like late seventies. I think it was late seventies, yeah. And um, he basically like recorded his memoirs on like an audio tape from his prison cell, talking about like all the things he did and like in detail, like what the interrogation was like, how he misled police, or he's like, and he, like just goading them, kind of being like, well, if they had just looked past the first thing they would have clearly seen that I hid them under the floorboards. And I'm like, it's just wild hearing someone. He's not remorseful. He's completely okay with what he is. He's like, okay with what he did and who he is. He's accepted his fate and the way he just candidly talks about his crimes. It's just, it's chilling. I like it. Um, And so I'm kind of uh, on that jam right now. So, you know, it's not the greatest, but I think it's just unique that you have like these very in-depth memoirs and then, like, you go to the, like, interviews with the cops and, like, hear how they're talking about it. And they're, like, having slight emotional breakdowns. And they're just kind of, like, you know, we remember showing up to the house and how candid he was. And then he's just like, yeah, these cops were stupid. He's like, maybe if they had just learned how to read, they would have figured out what my plan was all along. I'm like, this. I mean, you're pretty arrogant for somebody who's in jail for life, but whatever. Are you is that the documentary you're watching or is that the one with uh David Tennant playing him? Um uh, no, it's the documentary. Hmm. I didn't see the one with David Tennant played him. Yeah. I need to see I that because David Tennant yeah. is like in my opinion one of the greatest actors in all of British television, so Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the long rant guys, but that's what I've been up to. Hopefully with Christmas approaching as the holidays get closer and I have a little bit of time off, I'll uh explore some more lovely documentaries if you say so it's the season oh so i guess that's it right all right so uh <laughs> all right let's wrap it up uh good talk guys yeah uh, we'll see you next week you know what i feel like you made that joke last week brady come up with new shit uh, did we record last week 
Yeah. No. Did we? I don't fucking no. remember. Mm. I did. Did you? Um, <laughs> it's going to be a solo I episode, mean, huh? I recorded, but not a podcast. Oh, okay. We don't need to hear about that, Rob. I was about to throw some slurs around, but I'm not trying to get kicked off the internet today. <laughs> I, I, uh, music, music. What are you thinking? Uh, so this episode, we are going to do a top three Stan Winston effects, being that Stan Winston directed. Well, it was his directorial debut of Pumpkinhead. So I think uh, this is the only movie he directed too, right? Or no, am I wrong? No, I think he did others. Yeah, he had a few others, but nothing like. No, no major critical success. Yeah, I was to say, I don't say, I don't think he had anything like huge, right? I don't even think this was critical success, honestly. Uh-huh. But we'll get into that later. Um, mm-hmm. For now, we'll talk about his top three effects. And uh, Brady, why don't you start us off with your number three? Not your number one, not your top one. This isn't the draft. Oh, I thought we were going to go two. We're getting drafted again. Three one. <laughs> Kyle, did you sign did your you card sign up yet? For the draft? I've ne- <laughs> I will never. Still don't know how. Um, all right, so for my number three, Stan Winston effect. Um, see, I'm, I don't know if you guys did this too, but I went more for like his designs because those what really stuck out to me. So, like Edward Scissorhands was probably one of my favorites. Um, definitely number three, but huge Tim Burton fan, and a large part of that is due to Edward Scissorhands. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but such a heartbreaking movie that it's like I keep going back to over and over and over again. And then I showed Paige, which I should never show Paige any of my favorite movies because she hates movies. But we watched it, and at the end, she was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even remember what happens in that movie, honestly. I was like, what? And she's like, it's snowing now? Okay. Isn't that kind of creepy that it's just like snowing and this old lady? And I was like, all right, you can just leave. Like (laughs) now, And then I had to like get her to leave and like rewind the movie a little bit and act like nothing bad happened but yeah I, I think just the design of him of johnny depp in that movie as edward is especially with those fucking scissor hands man like at a young age you know i hadn't seen nightmare on elm street yet but i had known that you know it was a guy with knife hands um and so for the correlation between these two really spooked me out wait so, yeah he has scissors for hands in that movie um i think they're like, like dull blades, you know. I don't, I don't know if it's scissors. I think it's like a Edward Scissorhands is just like a, like a, a name he goes by. But it's a moniker. Like yeah. I never seen it, so mm. that's not even a lie. I've never seen that movie. Really? Yeah, really. All right, Mark. What's your number three? So my number three, I went back and forth with this like for a while. I was gonna pick something from the Wiz. You know, I'm a big Wiz fan. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's a good movie. Yes, it's not bad. When I don't know when it was good, but um, <laughs> one of my favorite things... When Michael Jackson did. was in it, that's when it was good. My guy. Yeah, I don't know. He was uh, doing something else on set there. Um, Moonwalking? No, he was touching some kids. Um, yeah, so one of my favorite things since I've been a kid has been Jurassic, Jurassic Park. And... Um, for like when I was a kid, like I could never comprehend how there was like dinosaurs that on the screen, like that looked that good. So, like still to this day, they look. I think they look really good for. Would that come out nineteen ninety three? Yeah, three. Yeah, like and it's in two thousand twenty one. And um, the other day I was on TV and I was like watching it while my dad was watching it, and I was like, this is still like 
insanely good looking how he did all that and like even the, the like the noises like the i don't know if he had a lot to do with the the when the uh, t-rex like like um like roars and it sound like that's what i think a t-rex would sound like like i don't know if he had much to do with that but like that whole like animatronics and everything he did with that is like unbelievable still to this day like how good it looks yeah and it, i don't know it still blows my mind yeah, I don't know if it looks that good. I mean, they they say now that they think they had feathers, so he did it all wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, but we they didn't have um back then they didn't have the internet, so they couldn't Google uh, the gotcha. T Rexes have feathers. Yeah, gotcha. He just winged it. He said, "Fuck it." <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, one of one of my favorite uh, effects he's done. And I guess I'll go to Rob, right? Sure. Oh, sure. I'm saying I, I'm on my screen, Brady to me to Rob to you. That's how it looks on my screen. So I was just literally choosing random. Yeah, I mean, I could probably do a whole list for me of the insane creature effects that he had done, even though he did not want to be really known as the creature guy. Like, that's not, he didn't want that um, that moniker attached to him. But, like, nonetheless, his creature designs are absolutely stunning. And his transitional designs were always stunning. Um, the way he morphed from item to item, creature to creature, thing to creature. Um, but that being said, surprisingly for my number three, I didn't go with a creature effect. Uh, and that's kind of because um, looking into it, I had no idea that Stan Winston in his studio was behind the Iron Man suit. I knew you were going to mm-hmm. say that, and I hate yep. to break it to you, but I don't think Stan Winston had anything to do with that. I'm pretty sure it was his team, right? It wasn't him. Yeah, he, I think because I saw behind the scenes stuff and... It, it, because his studio, his name's in Wasn't the studio he name. Wasn't dead by then or no? No, because he stopped by and took a look to see what they were doing, but he never actually touched anything himself. Okay, yeah, so that's that's one thing I couldn't, I didn't really if figure you want out. To attribute it no, to no, him. I mean, I, I have, like, to me, his studio is probably his greatest legacy, right? Like, the, oh, work, that sure. they, the work that they do. Um, yeah. And I, I honestly wish I could put that whole thing as number three, because, like, we would not have so much cinema that we have today without that studio. That studio to me is just as good, if not better, than Weta Workshop, which was so. You said a sweatshop? Weta. Oh, if they said a sweatshop instead no. of okay, we gotta get out of here. Um, honestly, if I had to do other than Iron Man, uh, one of the effects that I really love going back and watching is uh, the Queen from Aliens. That, oh, I didn't know we were doing a top four here. Hm. I, I'm saying if, if that doesn't, since we're, you we could don't say, count you can that. use Iron Man. You can use Iron Man. It's yeah. Fine. But if it's we not don't like wanna... really him, like you said, Kyle. So is he? Right. If we I know don't want it, but that's if, fine. Is if this we... an asterisk? We'll say no. honorable mention Iron Man suit. How about that? Oh, well, now my whole list is just shot to shit. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, know we could do honorable mentions. Yeah, here. I'll stick with the Iron Man suit then. But like I said, it's Yeah, uh, I think you will. That was tough. Okay, Brady. If, if you think Someone's about it, tired. if that studio doesn't create that suit, we don't have, we might not have the Marvel Universe the way we did because that suit was one of the first times, I think, in recent memory that they modernized a comic accurate suit of that complexity so well. And then pairing that with Robert Downey Jr., you make the Marvel Universe. Without that, I think without those two things working, you don't get the cinematic universe we have today. Yeah. And well, I, also, if they didn't make that suit, um, Tony Stark would have died, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Funny guy, Brady. And I think that was the um, only one where 
the suit was mostly an actual prop and the other movies they switched to CGI after yeah. that. Yeah. I went back and watched Iron Man one not too long ago and then and that was like right after I had like watched um Endgame. Mm-hmm. And seeing the sheer like I feel like we we came to accept the CGI nano suit, right? But then when you go back and you watch that original first movie and you see like the actual physical faceplate coming down and like some of the shots, it's just beautiful. It's a it's an incredible looking suit and it works so ergonomically well. So yeah, that's just Stan Winston's Stan Winston's legacy is just truly that company, like what they've been able to do. So that's my number three. All right, so my number three is going to be the Gilman from Ooh, Monster Squad. Wolfman got Nards. I thought about that just because of the Nards, but... Uh, he created everything for Monster Squad, right? He did the Mummy. Um, he did the Gilman. I, I, and he I did think Wolfman, he, too. It was his idea to actually give Wolfman Nards. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be the Gilman, because not for nothing, but that... it Like, with the Mummy, there's so many wraps that could you can hide things mm-hmm. and with the wolfman obviously he's wearing some kind of clothes so you can hide things but with the Gilman, it's all out in the open and it's pretty seamless so that's my number three brady what's your number two um number two for me is the predator so while i do think the alien series franchise is much better than the predator films um the original predator has a I have a soft spot for it. You know, I think it's great casting. I think that it's a great action film, simple enough plot to follow. I mean, great movie, but I think the design of the predator predator always spooked me a little bit and kind of repulsed me at the same time. And I guess when I was looking it up, the story goes that Winston was on a plane with James Cameron and was sketching out his initial ideas for the predator and james cameron was looking at it and was like i've always wanted to see something with mandibles and then winston included it and we got the predator and there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes you know along with the original predator of the production delays and you know the original costume and design they were using and how they had to stop production for eight months so winston could get back in there but i just think it's it's a really good design um and very iconic. So, yeah, it's my number two, The Predator. All right, Mark, we're going to toss it over to you. What's your number two? Um, I went back and forth with this one because we only have three. So, um, and then now when we talked about this, when uh, Rob said, well, why don't we do a draft? Like, I didn't think I can do it. But then after doing like research, I'm like, oh, this seems pretty easy to do. Um, but it's going to be uh, from the thing, the work he did on the thing from. 1980, 1981. Um, I thought it was 82, wasn't it? 82, 82 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. The dog spider thing he made for them mm. is like this one of the like the coolest things that I've ever seen. Probably. Um, I don't know. I, I'm assuming he did more work on that movie. I couldn't imagine that's just the only thing they hired him to do was that. But that um, whole special effect thing is like really good, and I like the thing so. I decided to go with that one over the other one I was going to pick. So, Rob, what's your number three or two? Um, yeah, that, that's that's one of the reasons why like, I've even mentioned the draft because for me, it's so hard to make this list because of the sheer, obviously because of when I love my creature films and then he did a whole bunch of other films where he did effects outside of creatures. Yeah, so I, I didn't even I didn't even realize that like he did stuff like that. Like, yeah, he and did research. There's, 
and there's tons of films that he's uncredited on that he also like um that he offered consultation or was like briefly a part of specific effects here and there um so i tried to challenge myself and like break away from the creatures a little bit um but i think the one thing that i can remember being one of the most impactful effects when i was younger was watching terminator 2 uh the effects of Arnold's body deteriorating throughout the film is absolutely beautiful. Like there are times I'm looking at him and like, you don't even consider that makeup, like the way his face is all chewed up and gnarled by the end. And then like iconically one scene for me is when um, he removes the skin off of his arm and that whole like sequence, it's so mm. seamless. You don't like, there are times like in body gore and stuff like that, like in, in body horror and stuff like that. Like, I feel like you could tell how that's like, like the, the like if something's being cut like the texture of it the way it looks like you can kind of just tell that's not real skin or whatever but like i feel like stan winston had a way of getting mutilation like very 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 realistic for the time and for the effects that he was trying to develop and i just think that that whole that whole movie is fantastic um obviously that's another james cameron and stan winston pairing so that's gold right there. But yeah, Terminator 2, those sequences, um, I really think specifically towards the end of the film, like right before Arnold gives his big thumbs up, like just the way he looks and how that deterioration occurred, really, really cool. And that's not even to say anything about the incorporation of CGI at that time, which a lot of people talk about Jurassic Park being such a breakthrough in CGI, but that film's usage of CGI was really incredible as well. So he was really on the forefront of that technology. Yeah, that's number two for me. All right, my number two is the Thing Dog from The Thing. Obviously, it's you know one of the better horror uh, sci-fi movies. So that effect, that was like the first look at the Thing and what it did, and I think that really set the standard in that movie. So for that, it gets my number two spot. Brady, what's your number one? Don't disappoint. So, do we get an honorable mention since Rob decided to go off script? You can do whatever the fuck you want. All right. So, I don't know. My number one, like, I thought it was going to be obvious, but then, like, Rob said, like, as I started digging into, like, more of his works, I was like, oh, like, he did this and he did that. Um, So, I think at the end of the day, number one effect is the dog thing from the thing. I think it's a classic movie. Um, You know, I love all the effects in that and i know that i think it was rob botten that did most of the effects on that film but they did bring stan in specifically for the thing dog and i'm sure like mark said other things too um it's just so gross and nasty and freaky and just perfectly captures that movie and then my honorable mention was going to be um danny devito's penguin design Mm -hmm. from batman returns uh, I just, ugh, it's always been so fucking gross watching Danny DeVito really in anything, but <laughs> especially <laughs> as, uh, as the penguin and he's got like little flipper hands and he's always just wet and salivating and eating looks fish and stuff. Like- yeah. Eating fish. And I just think they did a really, really good job with, with that character because when you think of the penguin, that's what I think of as Danny DeVito. So yeah, that's my number one and my honorable mention. So Mark? Yeah, my number one is uh, going to be The Predator. 
because without him, we wouldn't have the Predator because, uh, like you said, like he drew it, but originally they had a different design, and they were like, "Yeah, nah, dog, this this isn't the Predator. This isn't what we want to like um, do." And um, also, uh, while well, they got him to draw it too, because the guy that did the the noises of the Predator, Peter Colin, when they hired him, he's like. He's like, all right, we want to hire you for this character, but we can't tell you what it is or what it looks like. And he's like, then how am I supposed to make noises for it? Like, yeah, we don't really have like a design yet. So that's why I think it took like eight months off too, because of that, they had to design the whole thing for him. And so like he waited to do the the, the noises and the screeches, whatever you want to call it. But that is my number one because Predator is one of my favorite movies. Um, and my honorable mention would be... Um, Terminator 2, like um, mm. Rob said. I was going to go between that and I don't really like the at mo- like action movies per se too much, but Terminator 2 is like one of the best action movies of all time. Classic. And, Trans- yeah. and Transporter 2 is good too, but he did nothing on that, but Transporter 2 is good. I don't know why I like that movie. <laughs> but also he did work on the bench warmers and that movie's good too. So, I think Did he really? Yeah. I think Terminator 2 is arguably better than Terminator 1. It is 100%. It's the best Terminator of all time. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt. I still love one, but yeah, I think two is definitely a better Terminator film. Yeah. All right, Rob, what's your number one? Um, well, first and foremost, I didn't know that Peter Collins did the Predator. That's really interesting. That's yep. I, I learned something today. That's my guy, Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my number one is. Uh, as much as I tried to see like if there's any other films that could have taken it, it ended up being Jurassic Park. And the reason for that is it is probably one of the most iconic films of my childhood. It is a movie that over the last 20 years I have gone back and watched over and over and over again. And it's like also one of those movies where I'm like, I'm bored. I'm, I'm sitting on my couch. What am I going to put on? I'll throw on Jurassic Park again. That movie is, is um, cinema gold. And I know, like, even I, for a long time, have been like, yeah, the effects still hold up today. I'm like, obviously, in 4K resolutions or anything, even even a strong 1080, like, you're not going to, you're going to notice mistakes, right? Like, you're not, it's not going to look as great as maybe you remember. But for a long time there, it was one of the things that set the bar for the use of CGI. And I think what makes it so good, everybody talks about the CGI, right? But I think what makes it so good is the way that CGI was used to complement and extend practical. And I think that's what makes Jurassic Park so great. And obviously, Stan Winston's big creation there was taking what he learned from the the alien queen and then executing it on a T-Rex. Because when they told him, we want you to build a life-sized animatronic T-Rex, that's insane. And I don't know if you guys, did you ever hear the whole thing about the rain with that one? No. So I, I heard some story about it. I, I remember watching a video about it, but I honestly, I don't remember too much. Yeah. There was a miscommunication between the special effects team and the set design team or whatever had, had occurred. And the material used to make the skin of the T-Rex was a composite foam material that when it gets wet, it expands and gains weight. And if you remember from that scene with the car outside, it's pouring rain. So they started dumping water on this animatronic T-Rex that already weighs a couple tons. And all of a sudden it starts blowing up 
and getting like extremely heavy to where you hear like the servo is groaning and like the whole thing feeling like it's going to collapse in on its own weight. And they almost had an absolute catastrophe uh, with the T-Rex, which is they had a hell of a time getting it to move. Like the head would move and like you have to imagine this thing's heavy and they had to move it near an actor and it would move. And then all of a sudden, like the servo would realize it could overcome the weight and then swing like full speed. It just, I could not imagine being the team having to control that and contend with weight shifts and other stuff like that. So when you really look at what it took to make that gigantic thing have the very subtle movements that it does and lifelike head twists and like twitches and stuff like that, it's just, to me, it's one thing to make an effect human size, but to make a lifelike effect the size of a Greyhound bus like that's that's wild to me and i think it left its mark on cinema and i think there's not a single person in our age range that doesn't think back to the great films of our childhood and think and not think jurassic park like it's just mm. it's a staple for us i saw so, it in theaters i never saw it in theaters and i always did i've actually been kind of like per, like perusing and i'm like thinking like if i ever see it in amc is like the slots for like one of those rent out things i would love to do that but i think they don't they stopped that right they did have that available as one of the movies. Did they really? I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah that was like early on. Dang. Well, if they ever do it again, folks, I'll host. You, could, you just look up the uh, thing. They should have it on there. Maybe we'll do that in honor of Stan Winston. So my number one, it might not be a surprise to anybody, but it's um, Iron Man. No, it's not Iron Man. <laughs> Wait, you just gave Rob <laughs> shit for that. It's not Iron Man. It's, it's the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Uh, you know, obviously it's iconic. Um, it definitely set the bar for a lot of things. Like Rob said, the way they use the CGI and practical together, it looks wonderful. And um, it's really... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good? Yeah, sure. Good. Yeah, that's what we'll say. I don't know. It's Impressive. Like, uh, well, yeah, all those things. It just... <laughs> it's one of those things that... um. It's, I don't know, like when you see it as a kid, you don't forget like mm-hmm. something that yeah. magnificent and large. Cause yeah, it's big on screen, but it's the way he created that, it's larger than life. And yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it got much better than that for him. I'm not saying he didn't do anything after. I'm saying that is the pinnacle of, I would say, his work. So yeah, and I and I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the museums and seen like a T-Rex skeleton, and like your instant thought is not like, oh, look at that giant skeleton. Like my brain instantly flashes to Jurassic Park. Like it's the defining image of the T-Rex for me. Mm-hmm. Mine goes to a uh, night at the museum with Ben Stiller. It's a good movie. It's Never seen it. I like. We're it. reviewing that it. one next. <laughs> and yeah, that's uh, top three Stan Winston effects. I don't have a like honorable mention, so. Yeah, his, his I think studio. He did a lot of good work. His studio yeah. is the honorable mention, and all the great work that they do. Yeah, I I think unfortunately a lot of things, like um, if you look up even lists of his greatest effects, Pumpkinhead will pop up a lot, and Pumpkinhead had nothing to do with him. Again, it's one of those things, not him, just the studio. Oh, you mean the design of Pumpkinhead? Yes. Yeah, I was like, well, I think the movie has a lot to do with him. But didn't he direct it? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't come up with the concept of Pumpkinhead. Come on. Anyway, let's get right into it. Pumpkinhead, 1988, released. Uh, well, in the U.S., it had a limited release. 
on October 14th, 1988. Um, but its full release was January 13th, 1989. It's rated R, which I don't understand how it's rated R, but it is. Um, and it has a runtime of an hour and 26 minutes. Estimated budget of $3.5 million and only grossed $4.3 million worldwide. Yikes. And because of that, it had a direct-to-video sequel, and then the other two, three and four, I believe, are TV sci-fi. movies. They were, yeah, they were sci-fi channel specials. I yeah. didn't know they were m- movies until uh, yesterday, or Friday, whenever this was. They're not good. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, but there, there's a remake or a sequel or something reboot in the process. Yeah, whole reboot. yeah which they just greenlit like, last month, which is insane to me. Yeah, I mean, this is the time. They're, I mean, it's almost like the early two thousands again. Like the way everything's just getting rebooted and remade. And I mean, we'll see. I mean, now they have the technology and the. I mean, they had the effects then, but maybe they could do something a little better with it. Uh, people are a bit more invested in making good remakes instead of just throwing them out there. Yeah, yeah. it'd be weird though if they do like an all CGI Pumpkinhead. Oh, probably I, gonna happen. I yeah, would not because I feel like yeah, we'll talk more about it. I just thought, I feel like that would be a discredit to the design. Yeah. As of right now, it holds a six point two out of ten on IMDb, which is crazy because that's the same as Scream Four and Scary Movie. Yeah, I know. How many crazy. people reviewed it? One. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a sixty-five on the tomato meter, but only a forty-eight percent audience score, and a three point two out of five on Letterboxd. <laughs> And obviously, right. we already talked about, you know, Stan Winston. He directed this film. It was his directorial debut. Um, but he's mostly known for his effects in movies. Um, you know, The Wiz. I, I know it said he did stuff on Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3. But I don't know if that's consulting or actual effects. I think it was consulting. Uh, yeah, they said he made like a bust for, I think, the end of Part 2 that was never used. And so he just consulted a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, obviously, he did stuff on The Thing, Edward Scissorhands, Terminator 2 and 3, and Dark Fate. What, again, when it gets to Dark Fate, I don't know if that's him anymore. I think that might just be his studio, to be honest with you. Maybe even 3, because that came out way later, right? 3 was uh, 2003, maybe? 2002? Yeah. Um, Batman Returns, Aliens, Predator 1 and 2. I don't know if he gets credited for 2 just because he made the um, stuff like if he made the original Predator, uh, Monster Squad, Jurassic Park one and a three apparently. Stan again, Stan, Stan, uh, Stan the man. Lake Placid, Small Soldiers. That's another one. I, that, I thought about putting that on my list. Dude, Small Soldiers is good. Yeah, so I like the movie, movie, but I don't oh, think. I mean, I guess you have to think of the effects of that time, but now, now today I'm like, uh, they're a little clunky. But I well, think that's like I think, good. That, that's, that's like the purpose the point, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be like really little windy up toy kind of things that, you know, have very limited mobility and they're clunky because of the way they're built. Oh, no, just man. seeing them like that. That's I just always remember that scene where they're like all driving the cars with like nail guns and stuff <laughs> on them. And I'm just like, this is wild. Yeah. This is so good. And the way he got the job for Pumpkinhead is they asked him to do the effects for Pumpkinhead. And after reading the script, he said, actually, I think I can direct this. And that's what he did. He directed Pumpkinhead because um, he figured it was a low-budget, easy movie to kind of 
shove his way into shove his fucking way into there, and that's what he did. And uh, so this movie was written. Uh, well, it's based upon a poem by Ed Justin. Two first names, literally the two most first <laughs> names you could ever have. Uh, did anybody actually read the poem or no? No, I can't. No, read. I did not. It's really short. <laughs> if you want me to read it to you, yeah, read it for it. Read in a spooky voice. Read it in your best Ed Justin voice. Hey y'all. <laughs> I, I'm Ed Justin. No, okay. Just <laughs> uh, uh, call pumpkin hairs. Okay. <laughs> Keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone, but in some dreadful fashion, vengeance he considers fun and plans it with a passion. Time will not erase or blot a plot that he has brewing. It's when you think he's forgot, he'll conjure your undoing. Bolted doors and windows barred, guard dogs prowling the yard, won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will from Pumpkinhead. I feel like they should have set that poem in the movie. That would have been sick, right? Like when they're talking about the urban legend of Pumpkinhead, mm-hmm. like somebody could have easily, at least some of it. Um, like those kids doing it would have been. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think those kids would like the kids doing it or they, like they I don't, don't know read. like <laughs> those kids don't read or like those kids have never or seen like that a scene where like the guy like holds them up at the car with the rifle and like <laughs> they're freaking out or like you don't understand and he'll like just like in a crazy voice just start saying the poem and I would, then pumpkin I would want him to do like uh, slam poetry instead. Was that Dick <laughs> Warlock? Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, and in the middle there, right? Oh, I, I thought um, Rob was talking about the guy from the middle. I know no, it's the same guy. The same oh, guy. Same guy. Oh, okay. The guy who's walking on the street in the beginning. Yeah. And yeah. the guy who holds them up at the truck. <clears throat> like that's the same guy. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. So uh, yeah, but then once that script was written based around that poem, um, Sam Winston got his hands on it and he said, "I'm going to punch this up a little bit." And then he did that. And because he was so busy doing that and actually directing, he kind of passed the job of the special effects on to his studio, people in his studio, um, people like Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr., who both later started uh, Amalgamated Dynamics together when they went on to work on movies like Alien 3, uh, Death Becomes Her, Demolition Man, Starship Troopers, a bunch of other stuff. Such a good movie, Starship Troopers. Yep. Uh, they also got help from Shane Mann, Mahan, Shane McMahon, uh, who was, you know, another alumni of Stan, Stan Winston Studios and John Rosengrant, who was nominated for his work on Real Steel, never won that, and also won two Emmys for his work on The Mandalorian. So, Heck yeah. Still Something pretty relevant, still the, doing things. The legacy of that studio lives my on, good, yeah. My, my goodness. So going to a couple characters real quick. We got, obviously, Ed Harley, um, who was played by the iconic Lance Hendrickson. I think we're turning into a Lance Hendricks fan club. Right. Is our third movie we did with him? Man's Best Friend, Scream 3. Yep. Yep. Have we done anything else with him in it? No. But he was also in, of course, Aliens, which and then other movies, Alien vs. Predator and other things where they used his likeness. Likeness, yeah. Yeah. Um, Near Dark, Damien, Omen 2. Uh, The Terminator, Super Mario Bros., Mansion of the Doom, which Stan Winston also worked on, and he reprised his role in Pumpkinhead 3 and 4, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
Wouldn't know because I've never seen them. I've also been replaying the Mass Effect trilogy. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I literally, I'm sitting there, I'm like, why is this character's voice so familiar to me? And I'm like, oh my God, it's Lance Henriksen. Like, I feel like he's done a lot of voice work too. Um, yeah. he, his, I think he has over 200 credits to his name, almost 300. Which I, know, I, I he's feel been like he's a while, but I feel like he's just the kind of actor he doesn't turn down roles. He's, he's a smart man. Like, yeah. he's just like, got a paycheck for me? Let's go. Yeah. It's like uh, Danny Trejo does that too. He's always in random stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. he's always in random stuff. But it's funny, like those specific, those types of actors are the ones that people go to conventions and want to see, right? Like they're the people that like, that have like a fan base out there, not the ones that have like carefully cultivated their image and are very picky about what they're in. Like it's these actors who are like, yeah, you got a crappy B movie. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Love him. We also have Chris, who's played by Jeff East. Um, he was in things like Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, way back in the day. You know, all that good racist shit. Is <laughs> he the one who played um, Clark Kent in Richard Donner's Superman? In 1978, yep. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Deadly Blessing and The Curious Case of the Campus Corpse, which is surprisingly hard to find on the internet because I've definitely tried. Uh, we have Joel, who was played by John DeQuino who's in a oh, like fuckload of small TV roles, but never did really anything too big um, besides this movie. I think he was in some Disney show, actually, for like... Corey in fucking, the house. Yeah, I was going to say a bunch of episodes, like 50 or 70 episodes, something like that. We have Steve, who was played by Joel Hoffman. You know him from Slumber Party Massacre 2, Killer Workout, Slaughterhouse, and Not of This Earth. Maggie, who I, surprisingly, because uh, her acting is atrocious in this, <laughs> it was played by Carrie Remsen, but she was in Ghoulies 2, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. A lot of the acting in this is atrocious. Yeah, well, you know, that's what happens when you got a small budget, <laughs> especially for, I mean, $3.5 million in 1988 yeah. was not big. I just feel like I forgot how bad it was, and then like Lance Henriksen's so good. Yeah, that when they like everybody else acts around him, I'm like, okay, all right. Well, someone else that was actually really good is actually um, Bunt, the guy who plays Bunt, Brian Bremer. I thought he was really good for like as young as he was. Which trying to do the calculations on his age, I think he was only like 18 to 20, somewhere around there. Which character was he? The kid who tells them uh, tells them where Haggis is. Is his name? Oh, Bunt. Is that Bud? No, it's B U N T. Bunt Dude, Wallace. The whole time when they're talking, I kept, I kept, I kept saying Bud. I'm like, no, it's yeah. Bunt. No, uh, yeah, he was good. He was definitely good. Yeah, but he wasn't in that much after this. Um, uh, I mean, other, I would say he was in stuff, but not like gigantic roles. Besides, probably his <laughs> most, Bunt. his most, well, they're fucking redneck nobodies <laughs> in the middle of the fucking woods, but his um, biggest movie and probably the, I mean, I don't know how you could possibly top it would be. Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker. <laughs> what does that have, like a fucking three on IMDb? Yeah, something like that. Steve's the only fan. Um, I don't even think he's ever even heard of that movie, to be honest with you. And then we got Mr. Wallace, who, of course, was played by George Buck Flower. You didn't even name the most famous person. We apparently are of uh, George Buck Flower fan club, too, because he was the bum in Wishmaster. <laughs> 
And he was also in, dude, he has a huge resume. It's not as yeah, big as. Yeah, he does. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not as big as Lance Henriksen. And he mostly plays a bum in most things, like a bum or a dresser. <laughs> Escape from New York, drunk. Yeah. So he, he's in Drive and Massacre, Killer's Delight, The Fog, Escape from New York, Back to the Future, Sorority Babes, In the Slime Ball, Bolarama, Maniac Cop, Cheerleader Camp, They Live, Puppet Master 2, Blood Games. We watched that, right, Mark? You bought that? I never watched it. You didn't? I thought you did. No, oh, uh, Body Bags, Village of the Damned, Wishmaster, and he was in a gaggle of X-rated films. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. What? Like, yeah, X-rated films such as Orgy American Style, Succula, Tender Love and Care, Guess Who's Coming This Weekend, and All Night Long. <laughs> Dude, he's another guy. He didn't care. He would have did any work. I think yeah. he might be he might be even more prolific than Henderson at this point. That's what I'm saying. The shit that I mean, if you look at the in terms of just straight horror movies, he was definitely in more horror movies than Lance Henriksen for sure. But again, he plays mostly a drunk or a drifter or like a bum, a la Wishmaster. You know, Hollywood's bum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who were you talking about? Who was the most famous person that I missed? Um, the, the dog one Gypsy. Girl. No, the the one child. Um, Fucking what's her name from fucking Big Bang Theory? I don't um, know. Amy Farrah Fowler on uh, Big Bang Theory. I don't have the the Wikipedia. She was in this. Yeah, she's like one of the kids. I didn't even uh, know that. Really? Those kids hit a little too close to home for me. What is her name? Her <laughs> real name? Some of them M. Redneck. The Maya Maya Balak. Yeah, Maya Balak. Yeah, yeah. Her. Yeah, she was like in one, Pumpkinhead. She's one of the kids. Yeah. I didn't even know that. What? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. The the dog. I thought you were making a joke because the uh, dog Gypsy in this was also Barney and. Oh. What? Looks like Benji or something. Oh, Barney from Gremlin. Gremlins. Never seen Gremlins. Which I'm gonna say right now, Brady, you were right. It is a horror movie. Hell yeah, it is horror movie. What Pumpkinhead? Yeah, we just watched it. Oh, Gremlins. Yeah, Gremlins. Yeah, Yeah, it's a Christmas horror movie, hundred percent. I don't think so. You don't think it's Christmas or horror? I don't think it's good. Okay. What? All right. All right. It's a yeah, great she's movie. in it. Yeah. And also, also allegedly, the uh, cabin that they go to to vacation was the same house that they used in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. It looks the same. Does it? Yeah. The, it's the Jarvis house. I don't know, dude. That I felt felt like the Jarvis house was. No, bigger, from the but... outside when they pull up to it, I'm pretty. It looks I like the Jarvis house got blown up. Looks pretty similar. I didn't even notice that. That's wild. Yeah. And so we could jump right in if you guys would like. I'm all, yeah, I'm game. Do let's do it. Let's get all over right. my fears. So, you know, it starts with a title card and then a fuckload of credits. Seven minutes of credits. Fuckload of credits. I said, damn, is the movie almost over already? <laughs> Shit. It, was like, it uh, seemed like they were trying to recreate the Halloween vibe a little bit and it just did not work. No, they did a bad job at that. Because at least Halloween had like cool shit going on, you yeah. know, but like. This was just like flaming credits and I'm like, <laughs> not good. They did it on um, paint. <laughs> it starts out 1957. We get a shot oh, sure. of baby Ed Harley saying prayers with his mom before bed and his dad goes outside with a gun. Um, starts securing things around the house and then Pumps the horse away. You see a guy comes up to the house, asks if he can be let in, needs help. They ain't letting that guy in. Um, something attacks him down in the creek. In the creek. 
And then a boy <laughs> watches from the window. Was this Ed that was supposed to be watching? Yeah, that was window? Ed. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the kid that was praying is so much younger than the boy who was looking out the window. I don't know why in my head. Listen, but... trauma ages you, man. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> four years and two minutes. Um, <laughs> so, but he watches from the window as a creature thing kills the man. Yeah, pretty good silhouette shot of the creature there. I feel like it may be a little too much given away in the opening sequence there, but nothing major. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but fast forward in time, we get Ed Harley finishing his work for the morning and eats breakfast with a son, Billy, who gives him some kind of handmade necklace. Uh, ass necklace. I'd be like, I'm not gonna wear this shit. Well, okay, can we talk about before this? Love. Before I think it's before this when they're he's outside and then like he's washing his hands and he's like rubbing his son's hands like my grandma used to wash my hands she had no skin or something like that in her, oh, and she, her skin it was thin as so, tissue paper felt so good i'm like this Ew. some inbred stuff they must have this must have been west virginia <laughs> inbred, man? his grandma was washing his hands for him nice soft old people hands you know yeah i don't know i'm just gonna say my grandma will never listen to this so i can say this but i was attracted to her hands yeah <laughs> i know <Brady. laughs> well i was adopted um but her skin was always so sensitive in that video so, like she too. could just like she could just brush against a wall and just start like gushing blood. blood yeah i think that's yeah. a lot of old people and so I'm like, this dude, when he's like, yeah, she had paper thin hands. I just imagine my grandma going to run her hands underwater and just like blood going everywhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> a real like, horror oh, movie. With my grandma. Yeah. So yeah, anyways. But I will say like the whole, like the child actor who plays Billy and um, Henderson and his uh, Ed, like they have a, like it's a like pretty solid like father-son type dynamic that they have going on there. Especially like at the breakfast table. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, they killed it. I good. thought that that kid, for being so young, was great at what he was doing. Like, he didn't make it seem awkward at all that he's dealing with a guy who ain't his fucking dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I, I liked, yeah. like, I don't know, when when Ed Harley was, like, telling, he was, like, story time, and he sounded like, you know, a little boy who's so smart and is going to go on to do big things. I'm just like, they did a pretty good job establishing that relationship and just making you, obviously, when later on happens, like, you feel bad for Ed, but... I, Execution's a whole different story. Yep. Yeah. So a group of young adults is driving down the highway, making their way to a cabin for vacation, um, taking pictures of a man walking down the road. <laughs> that guy have something on his shoulder besides a gun? Was he holding like a dead animal? I don't... Yeah, maybe. Um, I thought he was hitchhiking. Honestly, I said, okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've seen this before. <laughs> uh, but then they stop at a store that's run by Ed and his son. Harley and Berkeley. whilst stopped at the store joel gets out his old dirt bike and starts riding around cool guy riding the dirt bike mr wallace stops with his family at the store and once inside jimmy joe the youngest boy gets oh teased by all God. the other children jimmy joe that pumpkin head will get him just like you, got mr foley you know what i wrote about this the, the dirtiest family of all time pulls up to the shop I don't think I've ever seen a dirtier family in my entire life. Like I get they were going for backwater oh, hillbilly, but just like they were way on the nose. This like, all right, Jim and Joe. I'm like, oh my god, what's this person's name? Sally they, Sue? Like they couldn't put water on them or something? Like is this Mary Margaret? Like I, I don't understand. Like just I don't know. It was just it's so hillbilly, and it, like uh, the kids, the kids are just annoying to me. But that's just me. I I feel like child actors sometimes get under my skin. When what's her name's taking you a guys, picture? Uh, she's like, what is that? A camera dummy. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine like walking outside, and, like you're like seeing this woman taking pictures of your dirty ass kids? <laughs> like, what are you doing? 
are, are you with them child services? <laughs> uh, we also have a. Uh... Mr. Wallace, he's appeared in a, another movie that we've talked about. Yeah, if you were, didn't just walk away while we were talking about characters, you would know all that. Well, I'm going to say it again. What movie is he in? He's in uh, Wishmaster. Wow. 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 Yeah. Did you guys know that? <laughs> wow. No, just, just found we, that out. You, we left that out of never the told me. 50 movies that he was talking about. Yeah. You guys had never told me before. Mm. 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 Anyway, as, <laughs> as Jimmy Joe's being teased, <laughs> Uh, Tracy gets a little upset so she tells all the kids to stop why the fuck would they listen to her anyway right fucking city folk Um, Ed tells Billy to bring his dog Gypsy into the store while Ed goes back to the house to get some animal feed that he forgot to bring to work for Mr. Wallace Steve then gets out his little dirt bike and decides he wants to join his brother Joel riding around jumping some uh, hills and once Ed leaves, Gypsy runs out of the store because he ain't a good dog. And Billy runs after him right into the path of Joel, who's jumping his dirt bike and uh, mortally wounding the boy. That's how I'll put that. It almost looks like the to me. Worst. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bad accident scene. Like, it almost looks like. All right. So the angle by which he passed him. It looks like the dirt bike didn't hit him, but almost like Joel kicked him in the face. Like, as he went <laughs> by him, he was like, yeah. get out of my way. He just kicked him and dropped him. Um, and, it, it, and then, like, there's no damage to him. He's got like, a little cut on. He's got like a little cut on his forehead, and he's like laying there. And the, and like, right away, what's her face? Maggie just starts like going. Oh yeah, they have like it's terrible. Her acting is so bad. Um, you know what's wild about this? Like this whole thing we just went through right here is like 40 minutes into the movie. I'm pretty sure we're yeah. at like for the 40 minute mark, and only that much happened. They drag out a lot. Slow burn. I could be well, wrong. Most of it's the credits. I could be wrong. Yeah, we that, almost have 10 minutes of credits, too. So that accident reminds me of, like, botch wrestling matches. Like, when people <laughs> miss their mark and they still, like, just go with it anyway. And they like, react to it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what that like, looked like. Like, part of, me wonders, like they, part of me wonders if, like, they were trying to get a good shot of that and they just were like, listen, we don't have money to pay the stunt double to make that jump again. Like, that's it. That's the shot we're going with, folks. We're going to make picked, that work. They picked the worst one, then. <laughs> Because, like, I don't know, I I just, like, I, I even went back and rewatched it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's at least five feet between him and that kid. Like, they, it, it is it is a, a wild... He doesn't touch him at all. They literally, sure. they literally could have not even shown that. They literally could have cut, could have like, the better. dirt bike coming down on him, and then, like, have, like, cut to the other people's faces, like, and, like, have a horrible crash sound. Rob makes movies, who yeah. would know? I'm just saying, like, that would have been more acceptable than, like, the drive-by, like, ass-whooping you gave him. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it just, right. it was a bad shot. I'm going to be the guy say that says oh, go ahead. you shouldn't be hitting kids, actually, with a dirt bike just to make a movie. Just want to put that out there. So, no, <laughs> no for sure. That. For sure, definitely. Uh, they shouldn't have shown it, though. It would have been better. That's why, you hire, that's, why, that's why you hire tiny people and hit them with the dirt bikes. I believe right? they're called midgets. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> sorry, Munchkins. Is that what they called them in the Wizard of Oz? No, that's what they call the little things at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Oh, dude, those are good too. Right, you should have hired you... some of those. Uh, <laughs> I just think that for a film that was supposed to be like priding itself on effects, like this is a letdown. And like I said, when he's on the ground, Luke is on the ground, he's like laying there, and you really don't know right away. Like, is he dead? Is he alive? And then like he's got like a little cut on his forehead. 
and then right away like what are you not supposed to do when somebody gets hit like move them and like they're like grabbing him and like you all right kid i'm like what are you talking about joel says don't move him right away he says don't move him People start putting, like, touching him and everything like that. Like, yeah, and then Joe walks up and says, "Don't move him." And they put a, they put like a jacket over him. I don't know. I just also the didn't like it. the force with which they flung that dummy that's supposed to be that kid when he gets hit <laughs> didn't match up at all to him getting hit either. <laughs> it's like the slow motion of him getting hit by the bike, and then this body comes flying out at like eighty miles an hour, kicking up some dirt. It's almost like what, it's like, what was that effect that I watched the. Um... Almost reminds me of the Candyman effect when he gets ripped out the window. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it must have been the same pulley. Yeah. I think that guy just got a fucking like whiplash. That whoever yeah. did that effect, like stunt for Candyman, that guy got fucked. He's he's crippled to this day. I can guarantee it. Yeah. They're probably like, that oh, what do you credit? What do you want on the cable? Twenty psi, two hundred. You got it. Like uh, what? His only other movie was the uh, Christopher Reeves documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. So Joel freaks out. Gone. So Joel freaks out and leaves uh, in his car as the others go off to get help, leaving Steve just to watch over the child's body. Ed returns from getting the animal feed conveniently as soon as the guys pull away, the kids, um, finding Steve, flagging him down out to the side of the store, and he runs over once he realizes that Billy's on the ground. He picks up Billy and carries the body to the truck, drives off, leaving Steve behind. Well, this part, too. When he's there looking at the kid and Steve's just holding the glasses, like waiting for him to take it, it's just so awkward. He's like, I said, I'm sorry. And then, like, the look he, and he's like, he's like, it was an accident, man. And, like, the way that Lance Henry's turns and looks at him, I'm just like, okay. This is oh, my weirdly, God. Like, weirdly intense. This one, well, he gives him the glasses, fucking weirdly died laughing. His fucking kid's dying in his arms. That ain't weird. Well, he shouldn't have left his fucking kid there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those kids shouldn't have been fucking riding dirt bikes around his fucking store. It's a, well, maybe it's America. if he had been watching his kid, maybe if they didn't have a dickhead dog that just runs out of the fucking store. <laughs> Don't you ever blame the goddamn dog. That's gypsy to you. Don't blame the gypsies. So Chris, Tracy and Maggie get to the cabin and find Joel and Kim who haven't called for help yet. Tracy tries to call the police, but Joel rips the phone cord right out of the wall and then knocks out Chris who tries to get the keys from him. Ed gets back home where Billy with Billy, and then Billy dies in his arms. Uh, so I guess he wasn't dead this whole time. He just played pretend. Yeah, the only thing, I have a one bone to pick with this scene. It was, it's just the music. Like, the That's music I mean. is, is like, the track they use is almost like a touching, cute moment track like you would use. Like, it's like a little acoustic guitar playing in the background with some, like, chi- and I, I don't know. It's just the tone of the music seems more like an intimate, happy moment, and it's like the kid's is dying in his arms. Like, this, this is not the music is not lying up here. That, Maybe it was a happy moment for him because he's like, my wife's dead, my kid's dead, I'm free. <laughs> he doesn't have to stay there anymore. He can move to Beverly Hills if he wants. Yeah, I Beverly agree. Hillbilly. Brady. Brady's always got to bring it to that weird spot, you know. <laughs> yeah, Brady's always got to take that left turn. Uh, yeah, uh, Steve. I'm not an ambi turner. Sorry, <laughs> you're fine. Steve gets back to the house, finds Chris and Tracy locked in a closet by Joel. Joel saying he ain't going to jail over an accident. <laughs> what is Tomo's an accident? Uh, Ed gets to the Wallace residence uh, with Billy's body in the truck, and then Bunt unloads the feed as Ed talks to Mr. Wallace about what he knows of an old woman nearby. Also, um, 
when he pulls up to these people, I thought it was like a fucking village. I'm like, dude, why are all these people so dirty? But this is just their family. There's so many of them. Yeah, it's a family dude, compound. Dude, that is wild. Like they were like, they were, I don't know if they had Google back then, but they just Googled like redneck family, like trope. And this I don't know. In there. I don't know where they shot this, but everything looks like it's on a set because of how close everything is. And it looks mm-hmm. like it's not really in the woods in a real place that really exists. You know, yeah, like, they shot it in California. It's on a set for sure. Oh yeah, I I did want to say I do really like the set though. Like there there are parts of the movie like we'll get to here in a little bit that I really really enjoy. So good set. Um, when Mr. Wallace says he doesn't know anything, Ed shows him Billy's body, but Mr. Wallace says he's sorry. The woman can't help him. Only bring him the hell. So then Ed goes to leave, but he's flagged down by Bunt, who says that he knows where the old woman named Haggis is but he will only take him part way there for $10. He gets out at a certain point and telling Ed to just stay on the road and he'll find her. So pretty much he, could, it, I didn't see him turn anywhere. He could have just said, yeah, just go down this road. Like I got You don't need me. Just literally go down the same road that I live on. And you'll find her. Yeah. But if he didn't tell him and then he didn't find her, he would come back to give me that $10 back boy. Yeah. Bud or bunt, whatever your fucking name was. I thought it was bunt, bunt this whole B-U-N-T. time. Uh, he gets, bunt. Um, he pulls up to a house that's like in a swampy kind of area, <laughs> and then he carries Billy Florida. to the house. He goes in to the creepy place, finding Haggis sitting in a chair facing away from the door. She asks who he is, and after he gives his name, she says, raising the dead ain't in her power. Dude, this lady is like 900 fucking years old. Looks like the saggiest nutsack of all time. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, apparently that makeup was like 40 or 50-something pounds, I believe. Or maybe it was more. I don't remember. I forget the exact number. It was like a fucking lollipop when you drop it in hairs on it. It was crazy how much it is for how small she looks. Um, she He offers, like I guess, all the money he has, which I guess is just a bunch of silver dollars, um, <laughs> which also apparently he got, gathered all those himself. Like his wardrobe, his gun, his hat in this, all that stuff was stuff he bought himself. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm. And the silver dollars too. And he. <laughs> Did he get him so back? He, no. So uh, the she says she can't help him. But then, so he when he pours out the like silver dollars out of the sock or whatever, some of it falls onto the ground. And he's like, yeah, I bought those myself. And some of them slipped through like the cracks in the floor. And he's like, and we just left them. Like I never got them back. So they're probably sitting there to that day. He's like, and then he, in an interview, he like looked at the camera. He's like, if any of y'all want them, you can go get them. So if you know where the fuck this was filmed, let's go find them. I would assume somebody had to have done that already. There's no yeah. fucking way. Somebody didn't see that way ahead of us. Cause it's back when he was still looking pretty like young too. Yeah. 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 Now he's like old as dirt and fucking ready to die any moment. Come on, man. Uh, she asks what he wants, and he eventually says that when he was young, he heard stories of how she helped people who have been wronged. And Haggis tells him of a graveyard nearby where people buried their unwanted or people they were ashamed of, and that uh, that's where he can find what he's looking for. She tells him to grab a shovel and to go Leave get... The boy. Yep. Because... Um, she says she has to do some stuff with his body before uh, to get him ready before she's of any help to him or something like that. Mm. At the graveyard, he digs her in a mound of dirt, <laughs> like in the earth that's like protruding above the rest, uh, a bunch of pumpkins laying around it. 
There he finds a disfigured looking body in the ground. He pulls it up from the dirt. He brings it back to Haggis's house. Uh, he asks her what it is, and she says it's exactly what he wants. For each man's evils, a special demon exists. She cuts Ed Harley's hand, letting blood drip into like a little bowl. I forget what those kind of bowls. Okay. Are also, can we talk about this? When when they do this, and there's like blood going to the bowl. I don't know if it was an error or not, but all of it just dripped out the bottom of that bowl. Did it really? Yeah, if you look at it again, uh, yeah. it just drips right out. So I don't know if there was a hole in it or not. Yeah. So then when she's like walking over to the kid, like Kyle's about to say, there's nothing in it. I forgot what kind of bowl that's called. It's like one of those grinding things. Like yeah. you put herbs in and fucking grind it up. Like you're yeah. a um, bit. What is that? A pestle? Pestle and mortar? Something like that? No, it's something a brick like and mortar store. It's a, it's a Rick and Morty. It's a witch bitch thing. <laughs> oh, fucking wow. It's a hot topic for purchase. Probably see a lot of those in uh, fucking Salem, didn't you, Brady? I did. Uh, so then he, Ed Harley's like passing out as fucking, uh, she goes over to Billy's hand and cuts his hand and lets that blood drip into the bowl, which I don't know if you guys know, that's not how it works. Yeah, it does. Not how any of this works. Dead for like hours and she like cuts his, she like lifts his hand, cuts it and blood's flowing like out of it. That's, that wouldn't happen. How long does it take for a dead body to like evacuate its bo- like bowels? So some that doesn't always happen. Floor? That doesn't always <laughs> happen. It it does sometimes, but usually it's like immediate because when you die, your muscles relax. So yes, so he's just carrying around like a dead kid, like shit in its pants. Somebody's gonna carry you around with shit in your pants until you get to the fucking morgue and they wash you off too, Brady. I hope not. I hope they just I hope they leave me there. And then you're gonna lift your just head up and me say, right there. You're gonna lift your head up and say, Finally I was able to shit without straining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry guys, I had water. Death, I the ultimate laxative. I didn't <laughs> pop any blood vessels in my eye this time. <laughs> so uh <laughs> she pours the mixture of the blood into the deformed body's mouth and it brings it to life and it grows into a nice big pumpkin head demon. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And then uh, he wake- passes out too, right? Yeah, I said that earlier, didn't I? Oh, did you? He was like passing out as she's doing all this. Uh, he wakes yeah. up and tells Ed. Uh, she tells Ed that like he can leave now. <laughs> I-, I love that when he wakes up, she's like, "Yeah, you can like get the fuck out. Like we're done." Oh. <laughs> he said, "Oh shit." Um, he nearly gets into an accident as he's driving and hallucinates that Billy sits up, speaks to him. I forget exactly what he says. Daddy, Something what are you doing? Why- what are you doing yeah, this I- to me? Yeah, yeah. And Lance Henriksen said that when he was reading the script he got for this, he was like on the fence. And then he read that part when the kid sits up to him in the truck. And uh, that's the scene that made him say, yeah, I want to do this movie. He said he was reading it alone at night and the hairs on the back of his neck stood up and he's like, I got to do this. And Ooh. everyone was like, uh, why? <laughs> it's good. It's free money. So he brings the body to the graveyard where his wife is buried and he starts burying the Son, look what they did to our boy. Maggie gets off the couch back at the uh, cabin because you know they're still mm-hmm. characters in this movie, and still in a Are day they? she wanders outside, followed by Steve, who tries to get her to wake up a little, using her faith to get through to her. Look and at the cross, it's like right in her face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come back to me, Maggie. What the, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then Steve is grabbed by Pumpkinhead, and is like killed by being slammed onto a tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is he dead yeah, yet, though? That's good. That's good. When he slammed onto the tree, yeah. I think he gets yeah. like attacked and dragged away, but then he gets slammed into the tree, and I'm pretty sure he's yeah. dead then. Um, yeah, he gets he gets ragdolled pretty good. Yeah. 
meanwhile, Ed's starting to get visuals of everything that's happening, kind of like a psychic link between yeah. all of them. Uh, and you can see he's like physically affected too by the things that Pumpkinhead does. Uh, Maggie goes back to the house where Joel is swearing, I'll be better, as he's letting like Tracy and Chris out of the closet. Uh, <laughs> and then she says like they got Steve, so Joel and Chris go outside to look for him, and the girls all stay behind. Uh, they, they find his bloody bandana hanging from a tree branch, but which I also, don't know how um, the fuck they found that. When they're like getting ready to go out, I think the creature's in the, in the kitchen window, right? Yeah, when... Mm. Yeah, Somebody walks past the, the window and you see Pumpkinhead and outside yeah. walk past it. Yeah, I, I did like that. Like, as cheesy as that is, I like when they use him silhouetted like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they find his bloody bandana and then they go back to the house for the women. They get the girls and then as soon as they run outside, like, uh, Steve's body is just hanging there. I don't know yeah. why, like, how, but... And then Maggie's grabbed, dragged over the roof of the house, and Pumpkinhead scratches across into her forehead, almost in mockery I like that scene of her face. Where he just like pulls her, and all you see of her legs like disappear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that they did the whole mockery thing too with the cross on the forehead, because mm-hmm. you know, like he was yeah. trying to say like, "Hey, your faith, like you'll be all right." And then Pumpkinhead's like, "Yeah, nah, they ain't doing anything today." Yeah, that's the one thing I think I like most about Pumpkinhead is the personality given to him and like some of the gestures he does. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah. Oh, he's definitely an intelligent demon. Yeah, and he's not just mindless and like brooding. I I prefer that, um, especially a part coming up. Um, Ed hardly goes to Haggis for help, uh, but she tells him he just has to let it pass and that they can't do anything now. It's got to run its course. But also before this too, when they show Steve's dead body, his like eyes are moving. Yeah. So I don't know why mistake. they they couldn't say like for two seconds, don't move. I think part of the problem with these things is they didn't have digital cameras back in the day, so they couldn't just review it right then and there. They had to watch dailies, and yeah. at that point, they're probably like, eh, it's probably too much money to go through the process of putting this shit on them again. Yeah, who's going to so, notice this? In, yeah. in 1988, his eye moves. Well, 35 20, millimeter. In 2021, watching an, an HD copy of it, you're going to notice it. Yeah, um, he says he'll stop the demon, and sh- she uh, lets him know that he can try, but he'll die trying. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. Pumpkinhead takes Maggie's head and like is rubbing it on the window to the cabin and then pushes <laughs> it through in the slowest way I've ever seen. I, I love that. that. And and I there's guess just so her. much blood everywhere. Well, I think like her neck gets impaled on the glass, but like he just like slowly puts her head against the window. He's like, hey, I'm just going to come on in. <laughs> You're like right yeah. through the window. It's so good. And then uh, Tracy passes out, right? Or is it Kim? No, that's Kim. Uh, yeah, Joel and Kim are watching. Kim passes out, and Joel grabs a machete because he's the the fucking boy of the house now. He's, I'm he's the, the one you want. He's the alpha, and he tries but fails to stop Pumpkinhead from dragging Kim away. This is honestly, but I have to talk about one of the scenes that probably scared me when I was a little kid. Because obviously, like at this I point, I've said it a couple you. times. Like this was one of those films that when I was a kid, literally gave me nightmares. Like mm-hmm. I guess I was just I was very little when I watched it, and Pumpkinhead was just terrifying to me. And I remember one of the things that gave me a big nightmare. And I will say the scene that will, I think Kyle wants to talk about the exact scene that I'm thinking of when it comes to his personality. But when Joel walks back in the house and in Pumpkinhead, the way it's not a jump scare. It's not a crazy thing, but like the way Pumpkinhead just quietly walks into the room and like the size of him and how that whole scene is done. 
it just terrified me as a kid. Like it's a great creature effect. And he's just kind of like, Hey, what's up? I'm in the house, man. What you going to do? It's just, I don't know. I like it. It's, it's good. It's a good effect. Joel calls out to Kim and she calls out his name. He looks up in a tree and sees Pumpkinhead <laughs> holding Kim at the top of the tree. And they all watch as she's dropped, landing on her back on a rock, killing her. <laughs> That's I a good it. one too. Uh, but, and like, the way they do is like pumpkin head silhouette in the tree. He's like, yeah. he just looks like a little kid, like nah, 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 just dropping him. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Ed Harley arrives at the cabin looking a little bit remorseful after he sees the bodies of uh, Maggie and Steve inside. Sorry Joel. about that also, guys. A little also, misunderstanding. Let me stop right here. What did this guy expect to happen? Because that always like fucked with me is because he's like, he goes to this witch and she's like, all right, like she basically tells him, like, you're you're gonna make a deal with the devil here. And then afterwards he's like, I didn't know this was gonna happen. I'm just a simple country boy. I didn't know all well, these people and, were gonna die. Yeah, and then he's like, I feel bad. Look, what did you expect? Well, to be fair, it just says that like they they don't tell him exactly that Pumpkinhead's gonna go around killing people. They just say that like he gets revenge on people who've been wronged. I know he originally went to her hoping that she would bring back Billy like bring him back to life but then he's like ah, i guess a little revenge not so bad and then he's like wait they're all gonna die no 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 i didn't want that but i agree he does make that flip really quick yeah. like as soon as pumpkin head like breathes once he's like actually no i don't want to do this no 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 um but yeah uh joel tracy and chris run off to get help at a residence nearby but the man who owns the property tells them to get off his land and that he won't help them because they are marked now I'm not, marked. not Mark, but Mark. I'm a Mark. Just when Pumpkinhead uh, comes up to get them, Ed shoots it, putting it down for the count for a second. Joel, Joel walks over to Pumpkinhead at the disapproval of all the others and shoots it point blank range, declaring it dead, but it pops back up, grabbing Joel and shoves the gun through Joel, lifting him up into the air while Ed is uh, incapacitated. Also, when that, also look, connection. what were you going to say, Brady? I was just going to say, when Joel walks over, it looks like he just like shoots it like in the arm. <laughs> I was like, I rewound it a couple times last night, and I was like, why wouldn't you just shoot it right in the head? And maybe it was just they were trying to get the and angle, but kicked, it looks like he... Yeah, he kicks it and shoots it in the arm. He's like, yeah, it's dead. Well, I he think kicked he was just it, but it looked get... like a fucking... It looked like rubber when he kicks it. Well, yeah, like a late, like just like a latex thing. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. I think he was just trying to get a reaction to see if it would move if he shot it. That's yeah, but the, I don't think the, he was thinking like I need to put another one in its fucking head to kill it. Like, I was talking about the effect of it kicking it and just looking like rubber. Yeah, I'm talking about good. what Brady was talking about. Fuck Brady. Okay. Uh, it pops back up, grabbing Joel. Oh, I already said all that. Uh, and so as I guess Ed is incapacitated, uh, the guy's dog runs up, biting Ed, which also hurts Pumpkinhead. Like slowing his reign of terror. Uh, Tracy and Chris run off again to the Wallace residence where they're hunkering down. Well, the Wallace people are hunkering down, uh, waiting to ride out this whole pumpkin head storm. Mm-hmm. They tell Bunt there's nothing uh, that, like, Wallace family tells Bunt that there's nothing he can do, and that they're safe because it only goes after people who it's called on to kill. And who gets in its way? And who gets in its way? And Bunt's very worried about the animals outside. Bunt sneaks out to help Tracy and Chris, leading them to an old church in the ruins. 
well, it looks like an old church in ruins, I should say. Um, I think they say that it was burnt down. From, well, he said they were trying to make a congregation, but people weren't down with it. Um, they ask him what Pumpkinhead is, and he says he thought it was just a legend. Um, but he tells them how Pumpkinhead can be conjured to take revenge on a person who has been seriously wronged. So they're like, uh, well, what do you mean that? wrong? What do you mean by that? You mean if you like me? kill someone's son, they've been wronged. Is that that fall under that category? Um, but yeah, they tell Bunt how uh, Billy Harley about him, and like uh, he s- suspects that maybe that's the reason for Pumpkinhead. You know, he's like, you know what? That that, that actually could be it. Yeah. Uh, Pumpkinhead shows up to the church, walking in to what they thought was a safe space, but Pumpkinhead says, "Those don't exist, my uh, liberal friends." You uh, you catch the uh, Nikes that Pumpkinhead's wearing in this scene? Okay, I've I read that and I've rewound it multiple times and I don't see it. Yeah, I think I did the same thing, and I think I could kind of see it, but only because like I was telling myself to find it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if I actually saw it, but I was like, oh yeah, it's there. Uh, I read it and I was like, oh, let me go back. I do like yeah. though how Pumpkinhead's personality has him stand at the front of the church and like gives them hope for a moment, just like, oh no, I can't come in, psych. And just like he does like that one big lurch step forward. And that's when they're like, okay, all right, we got to go. Nope, nope. This ain't working. Yeah, he rips down a makeshift cross that's still standing, smashing it. And then Chris and Tracy run off with Bunt again. I also just want to go back to the. It's obviously not from the, it's not from the movie. It's not shown in the movie, but he definitely was wearing Nikes, whoever was dressed in. So it said full screen version, and I don't know. I don't think that's the version I had. So, and I'm sure by the 1080 version, they got rid of that shit already. Yeah, the full screen version would be a four by three ratio. They, yeah. So, um, 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 I, I was just gonna say one of my favorite scenes here is when so Bunt's telling them, you know, the legend, and oh, you must have done something, and then there's this blue lights like lightning. He's like, I think he's here now. <laughs> And then that's when they turn around. But I was like, I, I always laugh at that because he's just like, there's a super serious scene. And then all of a sudden there's a thunderclap. He's like, oh, well, he's here now. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, a, well, speak of the devil. He's here. <laughs> like <laughs> when, whenever he comes, like there's clearly wind and like lightning and like and thunder. Sounds. Yeah. And then like when it all picks up, they're like, wait, is he here? Like, yeah. Every time he showed up, this is what happens. Ket, he like, literally brings the hellstorm with him. Yeah. Um, Ed goes off to the Wallace house and begs for their help. They tell him to fuck right off. They're like, yeah, fuck you, dude. Get out of here. Um, so then Chris, Tracy, and Bunt get to the dirt bike and overturn car. Chris starts up the dirt bike in an attempt to get away, but then Pumpkinhead pops up holding the bike chain, chuckling like a sneaky little fuck that he is. Then this is the part that I love, the personality. How he's like... <laughs> so I exactly guy. what he did? Yeah, I think so. I've been practicing. Um, and then he picks up the bike throwing it with chris still on it which that is one of the best effects ever because that's clearly a fucking dummy just sitting like upright on a bike that gets thrown (laughs) that's so good yeah and then he steps on uh chris's back and drags him off uh tracy and bunt run off again and bump into ed who takes them to his house tracy tries to uh reason with him saying it was an accident asking ed to call it off but ed tells him there's nothing uh Nothing can call it off, and that he's going to send it back to whatever hell it came from as he lights his fucking flamethrower that we saw earlier in the movie. There you go. Foreshadowing. 
Yeah, which I always thought was a little weird when they start out the movie with him with a flamethrower. I'm like, okay, what is what? Just shooting some leaves. We'll be back. We'll be back after this 48 hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ed starts to have one of his little episodes, and Pumpkinhead shows up, finds Bunt who is hiding in the closet, drags him outside, and then to stop it, Ed stabs himself. Well, he doesn't stab himself. He gets. He's running, accident. yeah. He's running, oh. and then the um the flamethrower hook gets caught on the nail, and then he like gets oh. he gets like pitchfork. whipped into the pitchfork. Which yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, like that scene, the way like when he hits, I'm just like, oh boy, gosh, that that smarts. That would not be that would not feel good one bit. I would have just given up there. <laughs> but like, would have given up a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's he, right. He just hits the, the pumpkin head starts killing. I would have just gone. He hits the cro- <laughs> the pitchfork. And he's like, well, I guess it's just God's plan. I can't God's nothing. Plan. Nothing I can do about this. Yeah, I would have been like, uh, sorry, guys. I tried. <laughs> so this pitchfork also causes pain to Pumpkinhead, and Pumpkinhead lets um, Bunt go. Pumpkinhead and Ed look at each other, and you can see like the link between them is just palpable, man. Like, you can see it in the eyes. Ed runs off to his truck, and Tracy grabs a flamethrower, shooting it towards Pumpkinhead, but Pumpkinhead don't seem to mind the flame too much. Uh, Ed gets the gun from his truck, shoots himself, dropping both him, himself and Pumpkinhead. And then when Pumpkinhead grabs Bunt again, Ed gives Tracy the gun, begging her to kill him. She shoots him, killing Ed Harley. And then Pumpkinhead goes down and ignites into flames. The curse being ended with the life of Ed Harley. And you also see like <laughs> fucking Chris's dumbass lift his head up. Um, <laughs> Is it yeah. over yet? Like, Yeah. Which I thought he was dead, honestly, and I was kind of hoping it because he's a little pussy boy. It's funny, like it's almost like he lifts his head up. Like, did he say cut? We're good. All right, that's a wrap, folks. They say fuck. Now we gotta say that he survived. God damn it, Chris, you fucking idiot, bitch. Um, cut to Haggis burying the body of Ed Harley in the pumpkin graveyard, and we get a close up of the necklace that Billy made for Ed as she throws some dirt over him. Yeah, I like. I I kind of like this because in later sequels they abandon that plot point. Um. The fact that whoever summoned him becomes the next pumpkin head. Yeah, like you're trading your soul for vengeance. You're trading your your soul, your body, your existence to become a tool of vengeance in the demon's host. Like, I don't know. I like that. And then, I mean, I watched all the pumpkin head films. I can't. The last ones I must have watched a while ago. Like, I think the last one was like Blood Feud or something like that. But yeah, they in the second one, they just completely abandoned the whole story of the first one. And then in the third and fourth one, they were like, no, no, we'll, we'll go back. We'll try. And it just never worked out. So like this whole, like the, the thing I love the most is the mirror scene where, and by mirror scene, I mean like where Pumpkinhead's face starts to reflect Ed Harley's face. Like his face mm-hmm. becomes more human-like and it's and like Harley's face becomes more demon-like. And it's like, the more I kill, the more vengeance I take, the more your humanity slips away and I consume it. Like, I like that. I, I did really like that, especially... Like when he, uh, he and Tracy are talking in the cabin and he starts like getting one of his episodes and he just looks a little more deranged and slowly turning into Pumpkinhead. Yeah, and Pumpkinhead becomes stronger and more impervious the weaker Ed Harley gets. Like the more yeah. Pumpkinhead kills and the more Harley succumbs to this, like the more like by the time we get to the to that sequence, like he's getting shot with a flamethrower dead on and he's like, nah, bro, I'm good. Like keep keep shooting me. Do you, so. you think that the demonic entity that is Pumpkinhead is like, you know what? Is this real? is kind of nice. Oh. Usually, I just have to kill one person. I get to fucking destroy a whole group of people today. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I think so too. I think Pumpkinhead's having fun. Like the whole like dangling the, the chain thing is hilarious. And then like when he's in the closet and he's looking at, at Bunt and then he like turns away and then is that like, ha, gotcha. Like I'm back. Like it's clear that as he's going on, he's more like, you know, normally I get summoned on a Tuesday to kill one idiot, but I have just had a delight this weekend. Like, I don't know. I just, I agree with you. So is it the same demon every time and it's just a different like host body or yeah, do you think that like so. each pumpkin head has a, a little bit of that I th- like person's personality i think very much like with a lot of demonic possession films and work like the human has to willingly give up its body and soul as a vessel to the creature i don't and think that happened in the exorcist i've never seen it. yeah that's true Except I mean, for the like, guy at the end that says, take me! And then jumps out the window. Spoiler alert, sorry. That was real. He really jumped out the window. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Here. It just gets really weird because, like, in the second film, he has a son. Pumpkinhead does, or? Pumpkinhead. Oh. I was going to say, Harley already had one. No, like, in the beginning of the film, like, you get introduced to, like, this weird, deformed person. And they're like, that's the son of Pumpkinhead. And I'm like, how, how did that work? Pumpkinhead made a pit stop on his killing spree. He had, he had sex with Pumpkinhead. He went woman. to see the old missus. Yeah, spoiler alert, Maggie didn't die. She was just dragged off to be the... Mm. Yeah, so... The Pumpkin Queen. Pumpkin Queen. <laughs> he, he, he went through somebody's pumpkin patch, I'll tell you that. All right. Oh. All right, Rob. Well, right. while you have all a lot right. to say, why don't you give us the rating and your review of all this? Yeah, I apologize for the rant. Like, Obviously, I picked this film because i was terrified of it when i was a kid um overall pumpkin head to me simple writing is, is a three out of five it's a middle ground there's some things that bump it down to two for me um i think the acting is atrocious but things like lance Henriksen's performance the great creature effects and like honestly Pumpkinhead's personality bump it up to three for me it's like a middle of the road horror film um other than that the only big issue i have is pacing like Mark said, we're seven minutes of credits and then it's like 35 minutes of just nothing. And then once the movie takes off, it doesn't stop. That's the only real good thing I like. Like it's, it, it doesn't stop. It's got great pacing after that point. Uh, the kills are a lot of fun. I don't remember any of the characters' names outside of Ed Harley, Pumpkinhead, Haggis, and Blunt. Fun. Fun. <laughs> you don't even, you don't even <laughs> know. What about, what about Jimmy Joe? Jimmy Joe. Jimmy Johns. Jimmy Johns. I never had Jimmy Johns. Sally Mae, Freddie Mac, all of them. Uh, yeah, no, this, I just feel like a lot of the characters are, are forgettables, like the throwaways, 100%. Um, a favorite kill, uh, I actually like the dirt bike kill. It's probably my favorite kill. It's like dumb. And obviously it's a dummy on a motorcycle. I just like really oh, meant for the kid. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm it's like, uh, a, um, yeah, there's that one. Uh, and I think the least favorite kill for me. Um, I was going to say the beginning. But like, you don't really see the kill and like, it isn't really that important. Like, I, I guess it's probably going to be what's his face getting thrown against the tree. Steve, I don't mean to be nitpicky here, but I didn't. I thought Chris didn't die. He Doesn't didn't. he pop up at the end? Yeah. So the, the motorcycle kill is not a kill, right? The, the, dirt the bike, bike died. Oh, you're talking about the, the bike dying. Okay. That's tragedy. <laughs> that was a great motorcycle. It was all right. I guess. I always forget that he survives, though. Seriously. Like, even though we just said it, like, I always forget That's that he we survives. We just talked about it two minutes ago. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, I always think of him as dead. And then, like, 
this is the one time that I noticed he actually pops his head up there. Maybe it was just uh, a ghost. We can say it's a ghost. Yeah. But if it was, if, if, if we're going to not let me pick him because of my technicalities today, because I've been on ball with that, I'd say, uh, what's her face getting dropped from a tree? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Pumpkinhead. I've already talked too much today. Mark, what's up? Um, so this is Pumpkinhead, I guess, right? So this mm-hmm. is, I think, the third and a half time I've seen this movie. And it might be my last time seeing this movie. Um, I don't think this movie is very good at all. The acting is bad. Um, a lot of the sound quality, too, when people talk is terrible. It sounds like they were recording their sound in like the studio over sometimes. I don't know if that any of you picked that up. There mm. are some things that are like cool about this movie, but overall, I do not like this movie. I, I don't know. If you're a horror fan, or uh, I think a casual horror fan would be very upset with it. Like would not like this. Even like some hardcore horror fans, I feel like would just say they like it to like it. That's a lot of people do that, but I don't enjoy this movie at all. Um, the pacing isn't bad, but nothing happens for so long. You're just like, what the? What is this movie? Like for 45 minutes, like it takes that long to get to where it needs to go. I, I think that's a. Uh, I think it does this movie wrong. I, um, doesn't do justice, I guess. Uh, they could have they could have literally did the first forty five minutes of this movie in five minutes or ten minutes, and and had a way better movie. But obviously, budget issues and stuff like that. Um, I give this movie a one point five. I would give it a one, but the opening credits being seven minutes long saves <laughs> cut some time off. Um, and <laughs> the Kim kill, I think, is just so funny when she just falls out of the tree and then they show her body and she's just like laying on the rock like. They said, let's lay down, like, and put your hands out. Um, that would be my favorite kill. My least favorite kill would be the kid with a dirt bike eventually dying. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, it just doesn't look right on screen at all. Um, there's not too much I can say about this. It's, I don't think it's a very good movie um, at all. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I couldn't believe they had sequels. Like I knew there was a pumpkin head too, but I and when I saw there was a three and four, and then they were remaking this, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I'll give the remake a chance, but I could never see myself watching Pumpkin Head again. Kyle. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a three out of five. Um, which I don't know if that's high or not, but um, it's a pretty simple movie premise. It almost borders on a monster slash possession movie. Um, and for the time, I'm sure it was an original idea concept. Um, the fact that, you know, brings like a demon into it to get vengeance and then you become the demon. I'm sure a lot of that was original. Um, but now it kind of seems like it's long <laughs> for a relatively short movie. It does have its fun parts. Um, but and as long as some parts drag on, I don't hate it. Um, but every time I watch, I do dread it and I do get sleepy. I just don't think that the fun parts make up for the dull parts. I'd say Pumpkinhead's design is quite classic at this point. Um, but I think the budget stifled what could have been a nice monster movie um, that could have been as terrifying as Alien. If they just kept it in the shadows a little bit more, made it a little bit slower of a reveal, because um, now it just comes off as almost cheesy and 
I, I don't know. I think it had potential, especially with the silhouette that it had and the profile. Right. Um, I recommend a watch at least once, but you probably don't need much more than that, to be completely honest, for this movie. Uh, I will watch the remake. I mean, I'm sure I'll download it and then wait a few years. But uh, I honestly, I'm kind of curious to see what they did in the sequels. So I might even try to look into that as much as you know this one isn't that great and i can only imagine it goes downhill from here um but yeah my favorite kill is definitely kim just because she broke her back and it's just the funniest kill to me yeah it just reminds me of back spike tyson so uh and then my least favorite is billy i think it's kind of fucking lame that he gets hit and then dies like 80 minutes later in uh ed harley's arms so yeah that's my that's my take on this movie how about you brady um, <clears throat> so much like all these other horror movies came to it pretty late. I saw Pumpkinhead for the first time last year during quarantine because I had talked to a couple people and they were like, yeah, this is a really good movie. Like you have to watch it if you're going to get into horror or be a horror fan. And I like Lance Henriksen a lot. And when I watched it, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like I'd been lied to. Like, I felt like I had been set up. Like, they were like, all right, you got to watch this movie. It's like, great. And then I just, I couldn't find anything that I really liked about it. Like, other than the design of Pumpkinhead. Sure. I think, especially now, like, it's easily recognizable and, and classic. But the same issues you guys have been saying. Like, it's, I think the pacing is really bad. And I think that you spend way too much time with only a portion of the characters before jumping back to other ones. And it's like, all right, well, I kind of forgot these people even existed or mattered at this point. And then I felt as if they didn't really understand what they wanted to do with Pumpkinhead, because in some scenes he's like funny and, but in like that sinister kind of Freddy Krueger way. And then in other ways, they're just trying to show his silhouette. So I, I, it felt it was conflicted. And like Kyle said, I, I really wish that they would have done a more alien style approach and it lingers in the shadows for the first couple kills where you just see like a hand here, the silhouette there, the tail, whatever. And then there's this big reveal at the end, maybe in the church with Bunt and, and everyone. Um, because even like when he's holding Maggie in the tree, you can't really see it all the way. And I think if you had just kept leaning into that, it could have been a, a, a much better movie. Um, acting is horrible all around. Uh, I hate Lance Henriksen's country accent. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it, it seems like there was dubbing at some point because there was a, a good five, six minute chunk where everything just wasn't matching up. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I'm just tired. But um, I got to go with a, a 1.5 on this one because, I mean, if we hadn't have done it for this podcast, I probably never would have watched it again. I am interested, though, in seeing some of the sequels just especially with the remake coming up. Cause I, I will watch the remake like to see what they do with it. And maybe they do take a different approach like that. Um, favorite kill has to be Joel when he gets impaled by the gun and he's just like writhing on top of the gun and just going balls to the wall. And then least favorite kill would probably be um, yeah. Little Billy when he's getting hit by that dirt bike and then dies later on. I mean, I, um, I, I'll tell you guys that like the sequels, I feel like not two, but three and four, 100% embrace the absurdity of it all. Okay. And like very much are, are, cause I guess they're sci-fi made for movie type things, like made for TV things. They're very much like, yeah, we know what this is. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll give them a try. Why not? But yeah, I mean, 
I think I really want to enjoy this movie, but I just, I really don't. I couldn't imagine, um, oh, yeah. like, telling someone that's getting into horror to watch Pumpkinhead. Like, this will really get you into horror. Like, yeah, have your requisites like this. Like, yeah, like I, I don't see this ever being on anybody's list of must-see movies mm-hmm. to feel out horror. Absolutely not. And like, it does have a weird cult yeah. following. It definitely does. Yeah, they, I think they could. Yeah. I think some of that could be nostalgia, though. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you saw us when you were a kid and you remember it. But yeah, I, I it had potential to be a lot better than it, it is. Like you, yeah, agreed. It, Good thing Stan Winston's legacy is not directing. Well, I don't think that's yeah, all his sure. fault either. I think for, I agree. Like everyone always says, for the amount of money that they had, they did put together quite the movie. I think that it did help that he was into special effects, so he knew what like little he could. Well, he could do the bare minimum in terms of budget and make something. I mean, the best part of Pumpkinhead is the design of Pumpkinhead, and I yeah. don't think that much yeah. money went towards the design and the effects yeah. of it. So. No, and, and as a director, you know, in the director's seat as a special effects artist, he can look at it and be like, yeah, listen, uh, they ain't going to work on screen. That's not going to work on frame. We're going to shoot it like this to make this thing work. Yeah. Just take off the Nikes and we're good. <laughs> That's where most of the budget went. Had to get the, the license Nikes. for that. Nikes. Um, so, yeah, that's Pumpkinhead. And we'll move on to the next movie, which is Kyle's pick. Coming soon to a theater near you. So we're going to try to do a quick turnaround on our end to record another podcast, hopefully get one out by Christmas. So to help us get into that holiday spirit, my pick will be Silent Night, Evil Night, also known as Black Christmas from 1974. Black Christmas. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Hello? (laughs) What are you doing? Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Kid Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Chris, suddenly I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that one, but. So I know it's pretty typical and fucking uh, unoriginal to do Black Christmas for Christmas. But it's good. But I. I figure it's the most easily accessible for us. So mm-hmm. we could do that quick turnaround. And yeah. I have never seen it. So you haven't? Nope. Really? Nope. Oh. This is, this is, uh, this is on cool. my, you guys have mentioned it a lot. So it's always been on my list of films to check out. Very excited for you then. Sweet. And um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Before we sign off, I just want to say, Please, 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 if you could, just go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rate and review. If you do, we'll read it on the podcast at the end of our episode, and we'll send you some stickers. You just have to let us know that once we read it, it's you, and you know, just message us on Instagram or whatever, and we'll send those out, even though I still haven't sent it out to Sean. I feel like you've been saying that for two months. On that. 
yeah, well, you know, it's been a while, so <laughs> I just keep forgetting. I should do that as soon as we get off here. Uh, also, please head over to anchor.fm slash vintage horror podcast. Leave us a vit- audio message. That would be sweet. We could play it on the show. You could say anything at all. I literally don't care what you talk about. You can tell us about your day. You can tell us about, um, I don't know, you, you shit in a Starbucks bathroom didn't flush either. Like, I don't care. I'll, I'll, Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it for us. So thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Boy. See ya. Ta-ta.